It's August 17th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got a special brief for you this morning that is shaping America and the world. It is day four of our series on dirty green energy, or what many in the media and politics often call green, clean, or renewable energy. But as we have discussed so far with solar panels on Monday, wind turbines on Tuesday, and mining for minerals yesterday, well, calling it green, that is just not true. Or at least there is a lot more to the green story. Well, today we continue with that story by pivoting to the second half of the global saga that is dirty green batteries. So to refresh our memories from yesterday, the first half of this saga was all about the very dirty and frankly completely impossible goal of mining for enough minerals to power this dirty green revolution. Well, today we move beyond mining to the refining and manufacturing processes of these batteries. And as you're about to see, that is a very dirty process too for people, the environment, and our national security. As ever, folks, I offer you this reminder. The goal of this series is to hold the renewable industry to the exact same standards of scrutiny as we do oil and gas and coal. Because we've got to understand that, ladies and gentlemen, all forms of energy have costs. And we should be brutally honest about that with not just traditional energy, but this so-called green stuff, too. With that, let's get started. And let's begin with a thought experiment, one that we had from yesterday, actually, looking at that battery in our backyards or in the courtyards. We had our wrenches in our hands, and we were taking the battery apart and finding the bits and pieces in front of us, seeing things called cathodes and anodes amongst, uh, well, other bits and pieces. But I'll tell you, if we stop and, and really think about it, what we're actually looking at and talking about is the life cycle of a battery. And kind of like a human in a certain way, right? We have the conception with the minerals of lithium, cobalt, and nickel conceived or mined in Africa, Latin America, and Asia. Then you've got the birth, which is the refining and the manufacturing process. Then you, of course, have the life. Or how long can we use these batteries and under what conditions? Finally, as ever, we have death or tell you, what do we do with these things once they have eventually exhausted their abilities? So if we think of it that way as a life cycle, I think it helps us better understand the dirty processes at each stage. So let's start with a refresher on the conception of these batteries. In other words, pulling those minerals out of the ground via mining. Well, when we do all that mining, we don't just get the minerals that we want, like uh, the nickel and the lithium, uh, the lithium and the cobalt, right? We get a lot of other stuff too, all mixed in there. So for instance, with nickel, you tend to also get iron, magnesium, and copper, all depending on the deposit. Then with lithium, you also tend to get calcium, magnesium, and a bunch of other stuff too, again, depending on the deposit. Now, interestingly, cobalt, that is usually a byproduct when you mine for other minerals, most especially copper and nickel. But the point is this. These minerals that go into our batteries, they have to be separated and refined, put into more pure versions of themselves. 
It's a lot like what we do with oil to make petroleum products like gas, a lot of refining. And that, my friends, can be a very dirty green process, right? For this dirty green energy, you might, for example, need a whole bunch of furnaces to heat the minerals like nickel to upwards of 1,800 degrees, which can only be cost-effectively done by using power from coal, natural gas, and nuclear facilities. Meanwhile, for rocky ore deposits of things like lithium, well, that's going to require not only furnaces, but a bunch of other energy-intensive steps too. By very definition, the refining process for green batteries is very dirty. But I'll tell you folks, it is especially dirty because of where all of this refining takes place. And here's why. Mining and battery companies seek out refining operations in regions and countries where electricity and labor are both very cheap. And that makes sense. They're trying to lower their costs. So based on my brief from Monday, where in the world might we find a place where there is a lot of cheap electricity and cheap labor? Ah, you guessed it. It's China. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, that country controls over 80% of the world's refining capa uh, capabilities for all those dirty green raw minerals. For what it's worth, the United States, we have zero nickel refineries, we have zero cobalt refineries, and almost zero refineries for lithium. And I say almost uh, for lithium because there are a few being built. Tesla, for instance, is building one in Texas. There is another one planned in South Carolina with lithium production from a field in Arkansas. And there's another one that is in Tennessee that is, well, just got permitted, actually. But I'll tell you, here's what's interesting about all those states. In South Carolina, most of their electricity comes from nuclear and natural gas. In Tennessee, same thing, plus some coal. In Texas, mostly natural gas. The point is that these dirty green refineries, they are not going to states with all sorts of, well, clean, green sources of electricity. And that's because the dirty green stuff, it's not very reliable and it's relatively expensive. But nevertheless, let's assume that after all that refining in China and a little bit here in America, we have some usable high-grade metals that are ready to be manufactured into the actual batteries. So as we ship all these refined things off from the refineries into the battery plants, well, we have to talk about some more unhappy, dirty news. Because once again, China and its companies control about 80% of the world's lithium-ion battery plants. As of this morning, the United States has only 6%. And that actually makes sense, because just to recap, China has cheap energy, slave labor, a death grip on minerals all around the world. And as we just discussed, they control most of the world's refining. So then it seems pretty natural that the dirty green supply chain would remain in China. And in fact, it helps explain why most of the world's major battery companies are all based in China. Now, to be fair, Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act and that $369 billion in deficit spending that has subsidized a pretty notable rush to build out battery plants here in the United States. There's really no denying that. In fact, for my paid subscribers, I've included a hyperlink in the transcript that has a map of all the dirty green battery plants being permitted and built all around America. But 
we still have three major dirty green problems to talk about with these things. First, even once all these new battery plants come online in the United States, U.S. production is only expected to rise to about 10% of the global battery supply. China, well, they will still have around 70% of market control, which means that no matter the 369 billion Biden bucks for dirty green energy, the overall picture of foreign ownership for batteries, it's not gonna change. Second, the companies building these battery plants here in America are almost exclusively foreign and still mostly from China. So for instance, we've got a Chinese company called Goshen. They're opening up a battery plant in Michigan. There's another Chinese company, a major battery company called CATL. They are opening a plant in Michigan too, although that one is in partnership with Ford. Shame on them. CATL, they would also like to partner with Tesla, but they're just not quite sure where. Which takes us to problem number three, and that is Chinese spies. And here's that story. So China has something called the National Intelligence Law. It was passed back in 2017. And in Article 7 of that law, it obligates Chinese nationals to cooperate with the Chinese military or intelligence service whenever they demand. Plus, all Chinese companies, ladies and gentlemen, something you might not know, all Chinese companies, both private and state-owned, are obligated to form Communist Party units or cells within their companies, wherever they operate, including inside the United States. That was recently highlighted by the South China Morning Post. And in fact, that law and these Chinese communist cells, well, they caused quite a bit of controversy with that battery plant in in Michigan with Goshen, which incredibly, despite that controversy, they still received state aid from Michigan's Democrat governor and the U.S. government, in fact. Indeed, Joe Biden and his administration gave that plant the big thumbs up as well. In other words, folks, these battery plants that are being built in America, they're not just powering batteries They are ultimately powering the rise of the Chinese Communist Party as well, inside of America, actually. So, let's summarize this brief so far, thinking once again about the life cycle of a dirty green battery. So, as discussed yesterday and confirmed today, we are reliant on minerals that are largely mined or conceived abroad, right? In in Asia, Latin America, and Africa. And most of those mines are actually controlled by China. All right, then these minerals from abroad get sent off to refineries with about 80% of those located inside of China operating largely on coal power. And then all those refined minerals, the cobalt, the nickel, the lithium, that is all sent to battery plants of which 80% is inside China. And that number, ladies and gentlemen, that 80% for both refining and manufacturing That's not going to change anytime soon, even with the $369 billion authorized by Joe Biden in Congress. Now, to be fair, we will see a small bump to around 10% of U.S. global supply, but that domestic supply will mostly be operated by foreign companies, especially Chinese companies with Chinese technology. And inside of these Chinese battery plants will not only be batteries, but communists. Yes, the Chinese Communist Party. They will be operating cells inside the plant walls all to advance the party's power. Which, to be clear, these communist cells 
are going to be in battery plants that are spread all throughout this country, from California to Michigan, from Tennessee to Nevada. So, thinking about all of that, I'll let you decide if this industry is as it has been sold to us to date, that is, clean, green, and renewable, or perhaps this whole deal is sounding a little bit dirtier than promised. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. Enjoy the following messages from our sponsoring partners, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted. And that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about jacemedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code right, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code right at jasemedical.com. Folks, if you're looking to diversify your investments, I have something for you to consider. It's called Masterworks, and here's what they do. They purchase modern art by famous creators like Picasso, and then they qualify it with the SEC and sell shares of that art to investors like us. Now, eventually, they sell that piece of art. It's called an exit. And then investors like you and me, we get a portion of the sale. And their record, it's pretty darn impressive. Last month, they had exits with returns of 10 to 35%. Now, this concept is relatively new, but not to the 780,000 members who have joined and invested. Meanwhile, Masterworks has also been written up in Forbes and Financial Times. And I'll tell you, read those articles because I did, and I decided that for my long-term investments, Masterworks fits. Now, will that be the case for you? Well, here's how you decide. Go to masterworks.art.com slash right report and you will get priority access for a personal interview with the staff and they will help you decide if masterworks fits for you so again go to masterworks.art slash right report that's w-r-i-g-h-t and as you sign up for that interview you can also read through their disclosures good stuff there at masterworks.art slash cd so all in all folks i think that you will be impressed with masterworks and what they offer to investors so again go to masterworks.art slash right report because at the end of the day i think you will be glad you did welcome back to the right report let's continue shall we with our special brief this morning pivoting now to the life and death of dirty green batteries and let's start with this question how long does a battery live If I could say that differently, how long will it hold a charge before it just sort of gives out and we have to do something with it, throw it away, maybe recycle it? 
Because as it turns out, that is a very important question because it impacts how much dirtier this dirty green industry will be with more mining and refining and manufacturing to make new batteries. Well, gosh, I wish I had an easy, quick answer for you on how long a battery will live, but unfortunately, it is a very tricky question to answer. In short, it depends. So for instance, temperature, that matters. Lithium-ion batteries prefer to live in a, well, sort of a Goldilocks temperature range, 50 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you live in, say, Alaska or Arizona, your batteries will be compromised. Next, humidity. That matters too. Batteries degrade in very humid uh, climates. Rainy ones too. So for global consumers who live in either wet or humid environments, those batteries will not last as long. Third, how quickly you recharge your batteries, that matters, right? Fast chargers, those might be great for consumers, but they degrade batteries more quickly than say an overnight or multi-day charge. Although then again, be very careful because if you drain your battery too quickly after a particular charge, that is going to damage or degrade it as well. Fourth, the overall amount of charge that you put in a battery, all right, that is important for the lifespan of this product. So if you go above a 90% charge, that tends to degrade the battery. But if you go below a 10% charge, well, that is bad for battery life too. Finally, we have to be very thoughtful about damage. And here's why. So let's say you're driving a gas-powered car, actually, and you kick a rock up as you drive, and it hits the undercarriage of your car. All right, no big deal. Well, that's not true of battery-powered cars or batteries in general. Even slightly damaged batteries are a potential disaster, all because of the risk of fire. It has something to do with thermal runaway. And that risk is why, is just one example, Insurance companies write off even gently damaged electric vehicles if their batteries are impacted by a rock or a fender bender. More on that tomorrow. But the point is, we have a lot of variables that prevent us from having a very quick and easy answer to the question of how long a battery will live. Now, I should say that there are some modestly rough estimates out there that generally accepted range, for instance, from the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. They say it's around 12 to 15 years of life, but only in moderate sort of Goldilocks climates. Many less years are allowed for batteries in more extreme climates. There's also one other variable that I should mention. It has to do with the battery chemistry that you have. So for instance, there's a battery called LIP or lithium iron phosphate. That battery tends not to explode or burn as much when it's damaged, so that's good. Meanwhile, solid-state batteries, if they actually ever get produced at scale someday, so the great thing about these is that they are built to last longer, they contain more power, and they don't explode or burn as hot, which is good news. Also, interestingly, there is a uh, battery that's called a sodium ion battery. It's a cousin of table salt, actually. And it's interesting because these don't explode either, and you can get sodium from pretty much anywhere unlike cobalt or nickel. Now, unfortunately, these salty batteries don't hold much of a charge, although there are some Chinese companies working on that. And speaking of Chinese companies, there are a couple that have claimed that they have designed a new cold weather battery that's going to live longer in colder climates. We'll see. But look, all these maybes and kind ofs and we'll sees, 
batteries ultimately die, which raises the question of what happens next. Well, there are two options at present, landfills or recycling centers. So let's talk about the recycling for a minute. So as of this moment, about 5% of the world's batteries are recycled. And that very low number is because these lithium ion batteries tend to explode, especially when you tinker with them, you know, to recycle their parts. So that makes these things very expensive and very tricky to recycle, right? Workers have to take more care and caution to disassemble the battery pack so they don't, you know, die of a hellish inferno. To be fair, there are lots of people who are trying to crack the case of this sort of recycling riddle. For instance, the Biden White House, they are giving away tens of millions of dollars in grants to figure it out. There's also a company called Redwood Materials. They're a pretty big player in this recycling space. And in fact, they got $2 billion in a loan from the Biden White House to expand their battery recycling efforts. But even still, Folks, I'll tell you, there are loads of problems with these recycling programs, especially the science behind them. For my subscribers, I've included links in, uh, to some really great pieces in Bloomberg News and another in the Houston Chronicle that discussed this, including a recycling plant in Texas, which sounds good, but alas, it is operated by a Chinese company, which seems to be a theme with this dirty green revolution. We are never in control over any element of it, even when it is being built right in our own backyard. With that, ladies and gentlemen, let's take our second break of the morning. Let's let our brains stretch, relax. After all this China stuff, scream into a pillow. But then we're going to come back and we are going to talk about these dead batteries, but not the recycling end of their life. No, it's all about the landfills. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I have something good to tell you about. It's called Wacker Coffee Company. Yeah, funny name, great coffee. Although I should not say funny name. Tim Wacker is the guy who owns this incredible coffee company, and he is as great as his coffee. He is a former United States Marine, although never really a former, always United States Marine. Wonderful family man, and let me tell you, he's a guy with a passion for roasting coffee. In fact, his company's motto is this, we empower coffee beans to be the best version of themselves. Yeah, now that is a guy and a Marine who is serious about his coffee, and it is seriously good. Wacker Coffee Company has six different roasts to include a decaf option for all of you crazy people, which I got to tell you, all of these roasts are worth every penny. So go to wackercoffeeco.com. That is wackercoffeeco.com and enter promo code WRITEREPORT and you are going to get 10% off. Ladies and gentlemen, go to wacker, that is W-A-C-K-E-R, coffeeco.com. Buy this stuff. It is so good. And buy it today. Welcome back to The Right Report, where we are talking about the life cycle of our dirty green batteries. And we are now off to the dumps. And we are heading there because that is where 95% of batteries go. Although in some places, like Australia, it's 98% of their lithium-ion batteries all go to the dumps. And I'll tell you, let's pause for a moment on this and really think about the magnitude of this issue. It's really important, folks, because do you remember yesterday when I said that there are over a billion passenger vehicles on the road today? 
and that Joe Biden and other climate folks all around the world, they want to remove these gas-powered cars and replace them with battery-powered cars. Well, let's think about that. A billion-plus batteries, which at some point are going to get too hot or too cold or it's too rainy or too humid or, God forbid, a rock pings the undercarriage of an electric car, which means a whole bunch of dead batteries. And because we don't recycle them, they go into a lot of landfills, right? And I haven't even mentioned all the industrial batteries from things like solar and wind farms. So thinking about the, the sheer number, the volume of dead batteries all around the world, whoo, that is a bad deal. And it all comes down to, well, fires. And let's start with this reminder, ladies and gentlemen, lithium ion batteries are by their very nature, very explosive, all right? They are designed to have a whole bunch of energy packed inside of them. And when they get damaged, as I mentioned by that rock or in an accident or maybe a recycling center or ultimately tossed into a landfill and squished, well, they explode. And the resulting inferno, well, again, from something called thermal runaway, folks, my goodness gracious, it is ungodly stuff. And that's because these fires, they actually create their own oxygen. And that means that they burn hotter and longer than most normal fires. And that means they are nightmarishly hard to put out. In one of the more infamous recent examples, last year, there was a, a West Coast utility called PG&E out in California. They had installed a Tesla industrial battery pack for a very dirty solar and wind farm near Monterey, California. So five months after they installed these Tesla batteries, these things caught fire, or one of them did. Apparently, it got overheated. Well, the county issued an emergency order to immediately tell uh, residents to shelter in place, to shut their windows, turn off their air conditioners. And that's because the batteries were emitting toxic fumes, something called uh, hy uh, hydrochloric and hydrofluoric acids. Well, that aside, firefighters rushed to the scene of this dirty green fire. They had hazmat suits on, as you would imagine. California State Patrol shut down part of Highway 1. And as everybody rushed to this fire, authorities didn't even bother to try to uh, put out the initial fire from, from that first busted battery. It was burning too hot. Instead, they just tried to prevent the others from exploding. And here's something pretty shocking from that fire and many others around the country. These kinds of fires can take 20,000 to 60,000 gallons of water to put out. Right? That is how hot and hellish they get. In other words, folks, this technology can be incredibly dangerous, even if, and it's true, the risk of explosion is relatively modest, according to a lot of data out there. But the risk rises dramatically once these batteries get shoved into a landfill and crushed. So to be fair, as you would imagine, smart governments all around the world are very much aware of this problem, and some are trying to get ahead of it, some more aggressively than others. For instance, there have been some bills introduced in the U.S. Senate. States like California, they're aware of this too. And I'll tell you, scientists and engineers, boy, they are aware of it as well. They are busy trying to find new solutions or inventions to make these batteries just a little bit safer and, well, ultimately less fiery. But for now, the risk... It's real and it remains. And that's because, my friends, these batteries will eventually die. Whether that be in a fire in a landfill or, God forbid, exploding in your home or garage or best case scenario, they get a very quiet goodbye 
at a recycling center somewhere near you. Although I'm <clears throat> I'm just not so sure that I would want to be the guy taking uh, one of these things apart. Not enough hazard pay in the world, if you ask me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, ends this morning's presentation of the facts and data on the life cycle of a dirty green battery. Let me pivot now briefly to my analysis and opinion. Folks, with this reminder, what I am most struck by while researching today's brief, but also throughout the week, is this absolutely relentless theme that we are turning over our energy security to foreign nations, most especially and unflinchingly to China. Now, as listeners know, we shouldn't be doing that. Right? Beijing is the single greatest threat to this country and frankly, the, the greatest that we have faced in a generation, maybe ever actually since the founding of this country. And yet this entire dirty green industry from solar panels to the wind turbines, the batteries as we saw today, and as we're going to see tomorrow, all the electric vehicles, it is utterly dependent on China. And here's the kicker. None of that changes even in the slightest with Joe Biden's $369 billion Inflation Reduction Act. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. That money, that debt, is even being handed out to communist-controlled companies. Right? There are some shocking stories about how Chinese conglomerates qualify for Biden's $369 billion subsidies. Right? It's your money. And I'll tell you, there are some great stories that I've collated that they're captured by Forbes.com, Fox News, Washington Free Beacon, and others, all available for paid subscribers who, who can find those hyperlinks in the transcripts. But what is perhaps most galling to me, my friends, as a former CIA officer, is that we are readily accepting and embracing these Chinese companies, knowing full well that when they get here, when they're building out all these plants, that each and every one of them must have a communist party cell operating inside their battery plant walls. And you do not have to be a former CIA officer to figure out that that is bad. So if this brief and those before it just outrage you, make you upset, frustrated, angry, well, you and I both. But I want you to remember this. This dirty green revolution was all done because a president and Congress wanted it to happen, which means it can be undone. Not easily, right? Trillions of dollars are now being spent on it, but it can be undone if and only if you make this an issue of importance, right? And that means if and only if you vote. Better yet, you have to commit and grab some friends to vote with you, friends who share your values. Friends, in other words, y'all got to get organized. That is how this dirty green revolution changes. As a reminder, we elect a new president and Congress next year. They take power in January 2025. So just keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, because that is how this changes if you want it to. And with that, my friends, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. 
and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.